FCS football podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. Welcome back to the Believe in FCS football podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeon with my co-host, Sean Anderson, two former college football players at the FCS level, bringing you in-depth analysis on everything you need to know about Division One AA. Today's episode, we are going to be speaking with NFL Draft Analyst Ryan Roberts, who is also my co-host on the NFL Draft Prospects podcast, also a part of Believe. Check that out if you are interested. But Ryan at Rise and Draft on Twitter is joining us to talk about this really talented, unique deep class of prospects coming out and that are going to be a part of the 2022 class for the NFL draft. There's a lot of interesting names and stay tuned for that. Before we get to it though, I need to tell you about bet online. And right now the NBA playoffs are just starting to heat up. Things are getting rolling in this first round. You might as well get on the action. You might as well make things interesting. Anything can happen at this point. If you think somebody's going to win a game that you're going to be tuning into, Put a little money down, earn yourself some beer money for later on in the night or later on in the week. Make things interesting. And heck, maybe your team's not in it anymore and you just want to have a little bit of skin in the game. You can also do that as well by picking who you think is going to win in specific matchups. Maybe you want to have some fun and pick who you think is going to win the NBA Finals. Anything, prop bets, specific games, whatever it is, you name it, Bet Online has it. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds that you need. And it is the best way to place your bets as well as free to sign up. Head to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now joining the show to talk some of the big names in this 2022 NFL Draft class for the FCS, a class that we've already talked up a bit. We're going to get to hear, hopefully, from a good chunk of those prospects. But joining is a friend of the show, Ryan Roberts, who's appeared once, now making that second time. It's also the first time that Ryan and Sean get to interact. So, Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I was going to say, if Sean wasn't there the first time, does it actually count? But I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> well, you know, I'm the only one with the with the show uh, podcast and all that in my Twitter bio, whereas Joe likes to pretend he doesn't do one show with me. Sean, that's funny uh, because what are you talking I, about? I, the, the podcast that me and Joe do, I always say that it's my podcast. So I'm, I, I'm certain now oh, after hearing this that this it. is your podcast. Thank I'm you. Well, I appreciate that. Ryan, to be fair, so responses <laughs> to both of those things. Ryan, to be fair, if I didn't edit the shows and produce it, oh, here we it would go. just be a bunch of recorded interviews in a Google folder. <laughs> and then uh, Sean, I do have FCS in the bio. I just can't fit at GTTP podcast in my bio. So... Uh, that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't care about either thing, but FCS prospects, that's what I do care about. That's what we're here to talk about. Uh, Ryan has, has come out multiple times saying, and he said directly to me that he thinks that there's going to be a ton of super talented players in this FCS class because of the amount of guys returning, amount of guys that have transferred down from big programs, there's going to be a ton of guys that get drafted more than we saw for the last two cycles because of all this these circumstances. So, Ryan, how would you describe this group overall for the 22 uh, class? Like, What are some of the things that stand out to you? Well, I think when you talk about what COVID uh, impacted most as far as like NFL draft perspective is like 2020 class 
we were left with guys that just didn't have an opportunity. They didn't get their official measurables. They didn't get verified by, by teams. So we saw a dip. I think it was 13 total in 2020. And then 2021, it was a little different because 2021, honestly, was very talented. Uh, we had guys like Spencer Brown and Dylan Radins and Trey Lance, of course. Like It was a really talented group, especially up top. What hurt the group last year, though, was that all the, the quote-unquote depth pieces that may have been drafted um, to – you know, boy, that number from five to a respectable number, maybe 15, 18-ish type of prospects was the fact of like, hey, they got the extra year of eligibility. They didn't play, most didn't play in the fall. So why were you going to declare? You're going to play in the spring and you were going to play into the 2021 season. So that limited the depth. But I really do think that we lost the fact of like the top of the 2021 class was very talented. It absolutely was. It really was. I mean, when you really look at it, there was a couple high level offensive tackles, there is the third overall selection at quarterback in the entire NFL draft. It was a good group. This year, though, I don't think that the top's going to be nearly as strong as 2021, but I think what we have now been given is not only are there an influx of a lot of talented players that had to go back to school, but we're also seeing a lot of guys that enter the transfer portal. And the problem with the sheer amount of players is there's limited spots. Everybody wants to play division high Division one football. They want to play FBS football. But the problem is when you have over 1,500 prospects or players, I should say, that are in the portal at one time, players are going to soon figure out like, huh, I probably am not going to get an FBS offer. I'm probably not going to play here. So it might be in my best interest to go down to the FCS. So I think that there's going to be an influx of talent. I think that there is just going to be a lot of depth. I think there's going to be, I mean, we're talking, it's been down for a couple of years. I think we could be talking about 20 20 plus guys that could be drafted in next wow. year's class. I think that that's the type of depth we're working with. Now, Ryan, you, there's a lot of depth, obviously. Uh, now, I'm more concerned about the polish. And Joe and I, when we played, it was we were lucky enough to have four uninterrupted years where the schedule was basically the same all four years when it came to fall ball, uh, off season, spring ball, summer workouts. That was that was the repeat for four years. Now, everybody in the classes below us has had their whole world shaken up. We had big gaps in the offseason. And it's hard for me to peg down whether or not I'd be more polished with all the extra practice and reps and all that, or if I would be uh, colder given the, the lack of live bullets that I was facing uh, in the season. How much of an impact did the long offseason, do you think, have for the current FCS prospects? I don't think too much if you if you played in the spring because the way I look at it is everything just got shuffled around a little bit. You know, if they were playing in the fall going into spring practice, then it's the same as oh the season got canceled, so we're going to keep practicing now. If anything, they may have gotten more practice time preparing for the spring season, and now you're rolling right from the spring into the fall, which I think for the the sync. Uh, the synchronization. I don't even know if that's a word, but like the the, the ability, I think it's a word. I think it's a word. We'll say we make it's a up word. words on the we make up words on the, the synchronization show. from going right from spring into a fall and the attention that these coaches have gotten and the 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 you know the the I don't want to say impact, but the the consistency that they have maybe gotten in a longer larger scope. I think feel like they may have actually gotten more attention when you really think about it. So I think it's just a reshuffling of things. I don't think that's going to impact it at all. To be honest, I think the only impact is. We have seen, again, a lot of players moving um, from team to team, both on the FCS level, from FBS down to FCS. So I think that the, the, the troubling part for how they have developed as football players is 
They may be at a completely different school, at a different, uh, you know, a completely different program, learning a new scheme. So I think that's where the inconsistency might come. But I don't think so so much of the scheduling um, of the events really impacted anything because I think that that would have actually given them potentially more practice time when you really think about it. Yeah, and I think that that more practice time thing, and it's something that we even touched on on the Draft Prospects show, something that we touched on uh, the FCS show more than once, is that this extended offseason has set up these guys to have more time to train and focus on their bodies. Now, the converse of that is things might be a little bit messy for a short offseason coming off of being dinged up from playing in the spring to then playing in the fall. We'll have to see if that actually ends up happening. But this extra time to prepare, there's guys that we didn't even really know about that had really huge seasons. I think that, and I'll keep saying it, Ivory Frimpong, who we played with at URI, somebody who busts his ass, that extra time helped him put up a couple hundred-yard games and some really big statistical performances. So guys like that, I think, are going to continue to continue to pop up. But speaking of popping up, this class, as you've said, doesn't seem like there's going to be a Trey Lance or maybe even a Titus Howard, who was a completely random first-round pick who we didn't really even expect. But there could very well be some some highly drafted day-two guys, like a Dylan Radins, like a Spencer Brown, who end up having high impacts for some teams. So if you had to handpick some players, who would you say has the best potential to see themselves go early or maybe be the first guys off the board? I think for me, it's two skill position players. I think one is Christian Watson from North Dakota State, who is listed at six foot four in the North Dakota State roster, averaged over 20 yards per catch in each of the last two seasons. He was Trey Lance's main guy. He's that vertical stretch guy. He's a legit low four four, maybe four three athlete. Like he is that. I mean, he's he's dusting every defensive back that he is going against. And he has that long frame, which I think NFL teams are really going to get excited about because, you know, there's some guys that have this great long frame that can win contested catches. There's some guys that make create their separation with their foot, foot speed and foot quickness. For me, Christian Watson has a good mixture of everything. So I think that he's a guy that second rounds I could buy into. Third round, I can absolutely buy into it because I think he's going to test really well. He's been very productive. The only problem with North Dakota State is some of these outside receivers do have somewhat of a limited route tree, so he's staying on the vertical plane of the field for the majority of time. So there might be a little bit of a learning curve when we're talking about the transition from, um, you know, what type of route runner is he going to be? How nuanced is he in that part of his game? So I think that's the biggest question. And then other guys, we talked about the transfer aspect of everything. Jatarvius Whitlow from Auburn was a guy that last summer I was excited about because I thought he had really good film at Auburn. And then all of a sudden, he transfers, ends up at Western Illinois, which was bizarre to me because I thought he was going to stay on the FBS because I saw him and I was like, this kid's good. Like, I think he's a day two potential player. Like, he's a really strongly built, thick lower half, contact balance, has better speed than you would anticipate, has better quickness than you would anticipate. And then he ends up at Western Illinois, which is, you know, again, very bizarre to me. But when I'm talking about like a potential day two talents, I think. Teams are going to like him a lot. And he just, you know, was basically just had a season off. So the tread on the tires that people talk about with running backs is going to be low. I think he's going to be fantastic in Western Illinois. I think he's going to carry that offense. He's a, he's a SEC talent playing at Western Illinois now. So I think that he has a chance to rise, a guy that maybe people are going to forget about a little bit because, you know, they're just out of sight, out of mind type of thing. But I think if you're asking me who are the couple talented guys that could make that ascension. I do think that Watson and Whitlow 
um, have a chance. And I think there's a lot of depth, but I think those are a couple of guys that could ascend to potentially on day two somewhere. Now, Ryan, uh, we know that it's 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 pretty rare to have a Trey Lance that goes number three overall, and then you normally get two to three FCS guys that go early day two, maybe day three. But normally FCS guys go four through seven or UDFA. What other players are rounding out your, I'd say, uh, top five to six, uh, aside from Whitlow and Watson, as some of the best prospects in this upcoming FCS draft class? I think a lot of people are going to like uh, North Dakota State right tackle Cordell Volson. I think that he's technically sound, probably more a mid to late day three guy, because I think that he is not the most gifted athlete of all time. I don't think that his length is you know, anything to write home about. But I think when you're getting into those types of rounds, you're talking about guys that could potentially be swing players, could back up multiple positions. Like I think that he brings enough, um, enough of those intangibles that he could do really well in that role. Liam Fornadal from James Madison, who plays tackle for James Madison, is going to be a guard at the next level. I think he has a little bit something to him. Isaiah Chambers from McNeese State, who started his career at Houston, uh, or sorry, started his career at TCU. Then he went over to Houston, was actually Houston's leading sacker in 2019, but then he transferred just because the, the playing time wasn't what it wanted, what he what he thought it should be, and then he had a family issue, so he ended up transferring a little closer to home, so he ends up at McNeese State. And, um, I mean, he had a really nice spring. One of the guys that I think really uh, really had um, a big bo- boy in their, in their abilities in the spring because he had, like, seven and a half tackles for loss and 14 TFLs and only, like, five games or something like that, like some crazy number. So I think that he did a lot for himself to help his case. A guy that is a little bit undershadowed to a degree because he plays on an Idaho team that has not been great over the last couple of years. But I like Trey Walker a bunch, the linebacker from 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 Idaho, number eight. Uh, Christian Ellis was on this team, who was the son of Luther Ellis. I actually saw that he signed a UDFA deal, and I didn't even know he was in the 2021 NFL draft class. So uh, I think that Trey Walker, I mean, the dude was averaging at one point like 15 tackles a game, really smart, instinctive football player question is what type of athlete is he going to be but I, I mean those are a few of the guys that really pop off immediately to me uh, Jaquez Ezard obviously had a great end to the, the spring season in the championship game from Sam Houston State so I mean there's a ton of guys honestly I could I could rattle off a bunch that I think have a chance to go somewhere on day three but um, you know like I mentioned Watson and and a couple of those guys are the only guys I think have realistic shots on day two. But I think that there could this could be a record-setting year if we're talking about day three players drafted by the FCS. I think that it is exceptionally deep. You know, speaking on that depth and maybe not the guys at the top, and you named a lot of really talented players, I think some very recognizable names for true FCS fans. But there are always going to be those those sleeper guys. And I think the best example for the most recent sleeper guy, somebody who I didn't consider to be a sleeper, was James Robinson, who ends up being a UDFA, leads the Jaguars in rushing as a rookie, has a fantastic year, could have won Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, if he wasn't competing against Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson, but an outstanding first season. Do you see anybody like that that might go undrafted or, or being maybe not as big of a name during the draft process but could have some potential to turn into maybe not offensive rookie of the year quality but 
into a really quality starter or like a higher level starter, uh, you know, from the FCS. Yeah, no, they're, they're, I mean, there's a couple of guys that I think kind of fit that description. I, I think next year's class has some depth at offensive tackle, especially. There's one guy that I'm super interested in, though, and I, I really want to kind of get a little further into his film is Dylan Cook out of Montana. He was a quarterback at like Missouri something of the minds, like some really small school out there. And he was playing quarterback at like 6'5", 6'6", and 280 pounds, 290 pounds. And then he transfers to Montana and they settle him in at right tackle. So right now he's about 6'5", 6'6", 305 pounds and moves really well for an offensive tackle. So he's a guy that I'm super excited about. I think that there's something good to him. I, I would have said that Trey Barry would be another guy that would have my attention, obviously, but with him transferring um, out of the FCS, I, I think guys like Jaleel, Mc, um, sorry, Elijah Dotson from Sacramento State, he's that kind of guy that I don't think anybody's going to talk about him much because like he's kind of a slighter-framed running back, but like two years ago he had 70 catches. And when we're talking about that day three potential for some of these guys, it's about guys who can find roles and can find niches. For him, his niche is quickly going to be Hey, he's on third downs. He could potentially be a pass receiver. Can he do something in special teams? Like that's going to be his sticking point. And then the last guy is is somebody that caught my attention um, last year, and I haven't seen anything what he did from this fall or spring. But um, DJ Coleman, defensive end out of Jacksonville State, the dude. I mean, six six, two hundred sixty five pounds. He's got vines for arms. I was able to speak to to DJ a little bit, and um, he is a really well put together, well spoken kid that he kind of he, he understands what he needs to improve on, but he has some of those things that we call unteachables. Like you can't teach that type of length and that type of size. Like you either have it or you don't. And then he's a good athlete on top of it. Number twelve for Jacksonville State defensive end who had some nice production this year. Haven't sat down and watched the film at all, but he's a guy that for me might be a guy that could also could potential rise because again those that, that skill set on at defensive end on the edge is things that the NFL clamors for because it's so important at that position. Now Ryan as a uh, former offensive lineman it's always intriguing to me for the uh, hearing anybody talk about offensive line is cool but I got to know who they're protecting and who we should keep an eye out for uh, for the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class that could be uh, shaking it up in the NFL level. Yeah, so a lot of fun. Um, I've had the opportunity to really dig into a lot of the quarterbacks um, as the regional scout for College Ground Showcase. A lot of guys in that region actually intrigued me a lot. One guy, and I wouldn't say that he's the top FCS quarterback, but a guy that I'm really, really excited about is Trey Self out of Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, Kid is a former Juco player who is listed at 6'4", only 190-something pounds, but he has a frame to put on a lot more weight. And how the NFL is going now with the ability to win off script and the win off platform and, you know, to have a compromised base and still have arm strength to be able to push the ball a little bit. I think Trey Self has that quick flick of the wrist type of approach. He's a good athlete. I really do like a lot of what Trey Self brings. And then, you know, the guys that people are going to talk about are Zarek Cooper from Jacksonville State, former transfer from Clemson. He's kind of been really up and down during his Jacksonville State career. Cole Kelly just won the, uh, you know, the the national player of the year, who's a former Arkansas transfer, who's listed at like 6'7", 260, which is outrageous side for a quarterback. And when you look at the historical data, quarterbacks that measure in over 6'6", eh, not, not a very good uh, track record of developing into anything, but he's a guy that obviously has a little bit of a pedigree. My favorite quarterback on the FCS level, HBCU kid, is Aquil Glass from Alabama A&M. I really right. like Aquil. I think that he... You know, he put together a really nice few games here in the spring. He's a tall, strong arm quarterback who's 
well-spoken, who understands the nuances of the game. He doesn't put the ball in harm's way too often. I think that he's the kind of guy that day three selection possibly and could find a way to stick, not necessarily a starting type. But in a backup role, I think he's got a chance. And then there's a lot of fun guys. You know, Bryce Rivers from North, North um, from Northwestern State, who is, uh, of course, related to Phillip Rivers. Eric Berrier out of Eastern Washington is a smaller uh, dual-threat quarterback that has talent. Um, EJ Brown uh, from – I'm sorry, EJ Perry from Brown, who I know is a Boston <laughs> College transfer that I think you guys played against. So, Yeah, he was a pain he, in the ass. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he was. Simple. I don't know if he could have had any more yards. <laughs> he's, he's a nice dual threat. And I mean, even Dylan McCaffrey's yeah. playing at Northern Colorado next year. Of course, the younger brother, Christian McCaffrey. And then one guy I really want to mention, I didn't want to get off here without mentioning, is Asher O'Hara, who was a guy that was at Middle Tennessee State, who I liked a lot, actually, last summer. Uh, a lot is in, like, I thought that he had a nice dual threat ability. I thought that he had something to him. He just transferred to Sacramento State, um, which, of course, Kevin Thompson was a good player for them uh, a couple years ago. So I think that he is going to do a lot of exciting things. And I think there's a lot of depth to the quarterback class. I don't think there's – there's definitely no Trey Lance, but we're talking about day three potent, uh, developmental potential into UDFA territory. I think there's a lot of guys that are at least worthy of a camp invite, a camp look, a camp arm. Like, there, there's a lot of those types of guys. Yeah, that's definitely what we like to hear. And I think that there could be some – some interesting names that that uh, could work their ways into some backup spots. Maybe we get a Ben DiNucci here or there from some of these players. But it sounds like there is a stupidly large crop compared to what we're used to seeing uh, because typically it's like maybe five guys and then some guys that are super fringe. Uh, and if, if any of them have a chance, it'll be like a CFL opportunity. But it sounds like there's some dudes that are going to get some rookie minicamp invites, maybe some training camp invites, that kind of stuff. Last thing that I want to hit you with, Ryan, we, we have some guys that we were interested in highlighting, but there's one specifically I want, to, I want to talk about to wrap up the show. Somebody who's picked up a ton of steam lately, somebody who is constantly being talked about. It seems like every outlet is writing a different article about something about this guy after what he did in the semifinal game and then the final game of the FCS championship I'm referring to Jaquez Ezzard, the Howard transfer, who I didn't know until today when I saw an article published that he used to sweep up and clean the locker room at Howard to help out his team and help out the program. He ends up at Sam Houston, and he does all this crazy, stupid stuff in terms of how hard he is to tackle. We see all these cuts. We see this fluidity. You hear from uh, people that coach him that have NFL, NFL experience saying, like, I, I haven't seen a guy move this this fluidly, this well in a long time. What do you think of Jaquez Ezzard? Because I, I think he he could have a lot of potential to make a name for himself this upcoming season. Hypothetically speaking, he doesn't try to transfer up, which I think that that's a chance if he's already transferred out of one school, he might consider doing it. So what do you think of Ezzard? Uh, I mean, he's a lot of fun. He's for sure a lot of fun. Um, like you said, Howard transferred, played with Kalen Newton, the younger brother of Cam there for a couple of years. Was, I mean, the numbers are stupid. Like he's averaging over 20 yards a catch. And I think in this spring season, he was averaging over 30 at some points. So, I mean, obviously he was producing at a high level. Uh, he is a smaller framed, but kind of thickly built kid. I mean, I think he's listed at like 5'9", 190, but like he's pretty yeah. pretty well put together. I think the biggest selling point to him, and you mentioned a little bit, is after catchability. I think that he is, I think he has great field vision. I think that he sees things set up very quickly. He's the type of guy that, like, from a screen to just you know something short and you know quick arrow route or slant or whatever it is, like you just want to get the ball in his hands 
very quickly and let him work in the open field. Like that's kind of what he does well. And then he's a, he got some special teams background as well. So it's a good baseline. The trouble, the trouble for the projection a little bit is we're talking short. And I think, I think Sean said this on your show last week and I completely agree with it. I don't think he's fast. I, I don't. I think that he's smooth. You misunderstood Sean because Sean said decept. Like Sean and I kept saying Would this. Would you let the man finish wrong, his Sean. point? He definitely well, heard what yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> Would you let our guest please speak? I'm sorry for him, Ryan. I apologize. Please continue. Okay, Sean. As no, you're I was agreeing just clarifying. With me. Anytime I was someone clarifying. wants to agree with me, here comes Joe <laughs> oh. to have to go and, and just take the wind out of the sails. Oh, stop it. <laughs> No one wants to agree with you. Ryan wasn't agree- was was agreeing with you. He was about to. He was disagreeing with you. Ryan, go ahead. Let's see. <laughs> I, I, don't, I think that he has some deceptiveness to him. I would agree there. I think that he is a smooth kid that eats up grass a little quicker than you would think. But I don't think he's like straight line super fast. I think he's like a 4-5 okay. kid. I, I think that he has enough. It's terrible. It's enough to you know be a threat in that regard. But when you're talking about a guy that isn't – fast coupled with the fact that he's smaller frames. I think we're talking about a guy that's going to probably make his living out of the slot, which is fine. Cause again, he's a yak guy, so he can do it there. Uh, special teams is the big selling point for me, especially early on in his career, because there's gotta be a way for a guy to stick. I think that's a sticking point for him. And then it's all about how much an offense, you know, grows, uh, grows confidence in him to, to do those types of roles, you know, and, and we've seen guys like uh, the Harris kid from New Orleans saints, who was a, you know, really good special teams player, really good punt returner. Now he's starting to get more involved with the offense. I don't think that Ezra is a, you know, a, a apples to apples comparison there, but I think that is a slot underneath route runner that can break some tackles, has good field vision, all that good stuff. I think that he has a potential NFL future. It's just all going to be about what is the sticking point early on in his career. All right, well, Ryan, that was all we had for you today. So really appreciate you hopping on and to talk about these NFL draft prospects um, I, you probably will be coming on again soon. Uh, you have no choice because I, I, I manage your show appearances. That's how it works. But <laughs> Ryan also of the NFL draft prospects podcast, uh, my co-host as we have a ton of fantastic prospect interviews that Ryan does. Ryan is, and I, I keep saying this easily, the best interviewer out there, the show and the efforts that, that Ryan puts in, I think is unlike any other draft show out there. Everybody else wants to hear themselves talk. Instead, we get to hear, Guys like Pat Sertain, J.C. Horn from this past cycle, and you've actually had a number of FCS guys that you've recorded with already that are going to run soon. So, like Cole Kelly's one of them. Uh, Isaiah Chambers, you said. Who are some of the other guys? If I'm, if you can remember off the top of your head, because like I, there's so many in the folder right now that I have to edit that I can't even keep track of all of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you mentioned a couple of the main guys: Isaiah Chambers, um, Sean's favorite player, Cole Kelly, is on. That's right. Very soon. Um, I don't, well, I don't, wait, actually, I don't mean to cut you off, yes. Ryan. So I, we do oh, have to no. settle this. Okay. So is Cole Kelly a tight end or a quarterback? I don't, I don't think he's a quarterback, Sean. So we got to find a spot <laughs> for him. People didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to be a quarterback either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just compared Cole <laughs> Kelly to Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Well, that's a sound. I'm going to tell, I'm going to, cause I'm going to try and reach out to Cole <laughs> Kelly. Ryan gave me his phone number. I'm serious. He's coming on the show and Sean, I'm going to tell him that you compared him to Lamar Jackson. Please do. I'm going to do that. <laughs> it's 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 just the historic. Uh, I mean, uh, I know that you know some people don't like the the data points, and I don't either, to be honest with you, in a lot of regards. Yeah, but like, PFF. if you look up 
players of that height. I'm not even talking about the size because the 260 is nuts. But a player that is six foot seven, any player over six six, let's even bump it down an inch. Historical data says they are not NFL quarterbacks. It just kind of is what it is. But I will say, Cole Kelly, I think is a good athlete. I think he's six seven, two sixty. Sounds like a tight end to me. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay, so but before we wrap up, yeah. did you mention the tight end thing to him when you interviewed? I haven't listened to the interview yes, yet. So I, I'm I, I did it very backhandedly. Really? I said, you know, Cole, I hear there's some people that might may believe that you might be a tight end at the next level. And he, so you. Yes, so me. <laughs> but I didn't tell them. Uh, and then he kind of laughed it off and said, no, I'm a quarterback. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. But oh, that's that's right. That's the confidence I like, Cole. Keep it up. <laughs> Yeah, Tim Tebow also did that, so hopefully oh, Cole no. Kelly <laughs> realizes that he should give it a shot. Um, well, we've got a lot of cool interviews that we're going to get to hear on the NFL Prospect Show, so stay tuned for that. Sean, you got anything final for Ryan before we wrap up the King of Final Thoughts? Um, really, I'm just happy about seeing somebody in draft Twitter that is a real person. I hate the fantasy football league that we're in, but I'm excited uh, to win it. It's I, just, I, I think mean, it's your pick right now. Sean. Dear God. Why is it 35 it rounds? Probably why is. is it 35 rounds long? Who asked for that? Who? I didn't make the rules. It's a it. dynasty league. We're in a dynasty. What I don't does that understand mean? it. Either. What does that mean for me to you have 35 players. players? They're yours. You keep the players. So next season, when we continue, you keep, the I don't players. get to cut That's them. How it works. Oh, I'm on you the can. clock. Actually you can release them. Yeah. But Guys, do you, you know think what? I should draft Gardner I'm cutting. If I have 35 players, I'm cutting 15 of them. It's too much. You guys can have my bottom 15 if you want. <laughs> okay. Good. How about your top 15? Would I don't you know. Wait, 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 also, with the rookie draft, what is that? I got Alex messaging me for a rookie draft and all this stuff. I mean, I, I, what yeah, is, four, why? Four does he rounds, want your pick? Four rounds, you take rookies. That's all. When does that's that take place? After the draft. Immediately after. Jeez. Oh, so, this. so we actually have thirty nine rounds, not thirty five. Oh my god, it's thirty nine rounds. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was getting you into, Sean. I'm sorry, but you're technically now a part of draft. Yeah, Twitter. that's um, odd. But as long as Ryan's there, I know I can feel safe. I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate <laughs> feel safe. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end on, Ryan. Uh, everybody knows where to find you because I constantly retweet your stuff. But for anyone that doesn't follow me on Twitter, where can people find you on uh, anything else you want to plug as well? Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, uh, believe in NFL draft prospect podcast is a good thing to listen to. If you haven't already any podcast platform that you frequent, uh, if you want to follow just the content I'm putting out, it's at rise and draft on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the stuff that I'm putting out from coast to coast scouting or expand the box score as well as the work I'm doing with uh, the co- the college gridiron showcase this year. And I pre- again, I appreciate you guys having me on again. Yeah, of course. You're Ryan. the best. Really appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. That's what I think too. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Ryan. Make sure you follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon at Sanderson radio at believe podcasts. Check out the believe in NFL draft prospects podcast. Hit the subscribe button on that show as well as ours five-star reviews across the board we'll talk to you soon folks enjoy the rest of your week thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.